Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our Microsoft Azure for Amazon AWS Cloud Professional Series. We're in episode number five and we're going to wrap up today looking at migration and we have back again our good friend Gerald Jew. Hey Gerald, how are you today? Good. How Thanks are you? For, good, good. Thanks for joining again. It's always a pleasure to, to see you. Yep. Great. Well, uh, Gerald, I know we've walked through quite a bit of content over the last, uh, what, four episodes, right, together. We've looked at kind of some of the basics of how to get started. We've looked at spinning up storage on Azure, network architecture on Azure, VM or VM scale set or container infrastructures on Azure. And so today we're talking all about how do we migrate now the, the application or data workloads over to our Azure infrastructure so that we can start running active workloads on it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's an interesting conversation, right? Uh, I, I, I'm sure you've had conversations like this as well. Um, a lot of times the customers and uh, partners that I talk with are looking, coming into the conversation thinking more about a pure lift and shift VM, let's take this VM or set of VMs and move it from one to the other type scenario, which certainly can work for certain workloads, but oftentimes I find the better solution is if a customer or an ISV is already in control of the application code that they're deploying to the cloud, uh, rather than lift and shift the entire VMs, build the new environment fresh using some of the technologies that we talked about in our prior episodes, like uh, Azure Resource Manager templates and the Azure CLI and whatnot, build that base infrastructure and then deploy their code and, and migrate their data over to the, the new Azure cloud environment. Is that a, a similar approach to what you've seen be, be real common for, uh, for partners and customers that are, that are migrating between cloud platforms? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, for the most part, when you start with uh, AWS or Azure or whatever, most of these people do have that control and they're already thinking about the CI/CD process. So because you've already done that in your previous uh, workload, then it makes it a lot easier for you to come into another one and say, okay, I want to just, you know, take these images and take this deployment and then redeploy it in into uh, Azure rather than <clears throat> really trying to pull that image out of AWS and then push it back in. Now, now like you said, we're going to walk over stuff today that will show people how to do that if they want to, but it is really uh, recommended since you most likely already control that code to just uh, use that same technology in Azure. Yep, definitely. Yeah, and 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 like you said, there there's there's still those those edge cases, right, where a customer or a partner may have a pack more of a packaged or canned solution running inside of a VM, and they don't really control the code that's running there. Maybe it's some canned reporting solution or utilities that they're that they're control that that, that are third party tools or whatnot. And in those cases, maybe those are good candidates for just moving the VM over in more of a lift and shift type method. And, and so definitely we've got some good approaches for that, for you know individual VMs being able to take images of the disk or identify where the application and data is and just transfer that uh, over into the environment. Or using Azure Site Recovery, our, our disaster recovery as a service option, a lot of people don't realize that that actually has a migration feature set built into it for migrating Windows VMs 
from Amazon AWS over to the Azure Cloud Platform as well. So, yeah, I think it makes sense to, to kind of walk through some of the basics on a myriad of those options. Um, what, what do you say? Do you think it makes sense to, to move over into our lab and, and walk through some of these options together then? Yep, sounds good. Okay, well, I'll see you in the lab. So, Gerald, here we are over in our lab environment, and uh, the screen that we're showing right now is our Azure cross-platform CLI running within the Bash shell for Windows uh, that's supplied by uh, Canonical on uh, Ubuntu user mode as a new Windows 10 option. And this is the same uh, Bash command shell environment we've been using over the last several sessions to demonstrate and be able to walk through different Azure cross-platform CLI command sets that work across Linux and Mac OS X and, uh, and, uh, and Windows as well. And what we had uh, walked through in the last episode was using the Azure CLI command to provision VMs and VM scale sets and Azure container services uh, for Docker container infrastructures on Azure. And if we just go back for a moment and run Azure VM dash dash help, one of the options that we'll see for VMs in the CLI is in addition to provisioning VMs and being able to manage images, VM images and, and whatnot, we also have with Azure this concept of VM extensions. And the VM extensions can be quite powerful. And this really goes to the migration scenario of for migrating code or data from within one, v, one set of VMs and one cloud platform to another. If you're already using perhaps a Chef or Puppet or uh, you know, other CI, CD solutions, Jenkins or, or whatnot, to be able to deploy your code from your source control repository into your environment in Amazon AWS, using these VM extensions, you can take a base image, so an Ubuntu image, a CentOS image, uh, OpenSUSE, Red Hat or whatnot, and inject into it a VM extension that auto-installs and bootstraps a CI-CD agent. And there's a, a large number of extensions that are available uh, for both facilitating the deployment of applications as well as other types of extensions like deploying backup solutions, monitoring solutions, or security solutions into an existing VM or at provision time as part of the provisioning process. And I find this extensions concept quite powerful because in the old days, what we'd do is we would create these customized images for every single type of VM that we wanted to deploy in our environment. And then we'd have a huge number of custom images to maintain. With extensions, we can take one of the stock images that are already being maintained by the publishers to the Azure gallery and deploy a VM or a set of VMs from that stock image and then inject one or more extensions into that image to be able to have the right agents or security features or capabilities for backing up or monitoring our VM that we need. And that way it allows us to be much more agile in how we manage those VM images. Is that a similar approach to what you've been recommending, Gerald? Yeah, definitely. And the extensions piece, like you said, is super powerful because it already has that like Chef and Pup integration. Someone can just say, oh, I'm going to use Chef. I already have it. Um, set up their knife and whatnot code in there. And then you're off and running super fast, right? And it's one of those things that makes it uh, so powerful and so easy to kind of make sure that people will always stay up to date because that's always the question is like, I've built out this whole solution now oh, the publisher releases a new update for this piece of it, what do I do? 
right? Do I have to like go and re-roll all my images and then like retest and re-verify everything down the road? Well, this helps you provide a path for, okay, now I know this is the piece that changed. I'm going to move from this piece to the next to the next with the VM extensions. And it's just another layer that we help out with. Yeah, definitely. And and as we mentioned, there's a large number of extensions that are already published as part of the Azure Extensions Gallery. And using our Azure VM extension image commands, we can list those out so you can get a chance to see the, the full breadth of coverage that we have for VM extensions. So if I just run Azure VM extension image list, and then specify one of our Azure data center regions, just like we've been doing all along in all of our previous episodes. So I'm just going to pick um, one of our data center regions that I've been working with, Southeast Asia, and I'll go ahead and press enter. And what it'll do is it'll go out and use Azure Resource Manager to query the list of published Azure VM extensions, and then it'll come back with a list of those publishers, the name of their extension, the version number, and whatnot. And, um, and as you had mentioned, Gerald, if the versions update, you can, as you deploy these extensions to VMs, you can have them auto-update the extensions as well as the, the versions change. Or you can certainly lock them down to a particular version if, if you prefer to do that. And so here we have a list of our extensions that, came, that, that, that were returned based on our command. And as we scroll through the list, you'll see there's quite a large number of extensions that... Uh, that already exist, you know, using uh, Chef clients uh, for Windows or for Linux. Uh, if we scroll down a little further, you'll see we've also got support for um, uh, Docker extensions for being able to inject Docker into uh, Docker host support into Azure VMs. We've got uh, the ability to even run just basic custom scripts. So if your deployment process is just a set of bash scripts that you run, you can take a stock image and use the custom script extension to deploy that bash script or set of bash scripts into that VM environment as, as part of that. Uh, if we go down a little further, you'll see that we've got um, Puppet support as well. So uh, we've got DSC support for uh, PowerShell DSC, both on Windows as well as on, on Linux these days. So there's our Puppet Enterprise Agent support. So a wide variety of uh, different tools that can be used for being able to deploy into the Azure environment. And if, if you have a CI/CD tool that you don't see listed here as an extension, definitely check with your tool manufacturer because most of them these days, I'm finding, support, have direct native support for Azure or have a GitHub project where they've added Azure support. Uh, so definitely take advantage of that. Once we've identified the extension and the version that we wish to use, when we want to push that into a VM or set of VMs that we're provisioning or that we previously provisioned, we can use the Azure uh, VM extension set command. So if we go back to Azure VM extension, I'm just going to run the help command on that. Um, you'll see we've got Azure VM extension set that allows us to specify the resource groups and the VM, and then the name, publisher, and version of the extension, and optionally be able to provide additional parameters. So if it's a chef agent or a puppet agent, we can go through the process of actually bootstrapping those agents, for instance, back to the chef server or the puppet master or whatnot, so that the agent installs, bootstraps itself, connects back to its uh, configuration repository and then pulls down the configuration scripts or details that it needs for being able to self-provision itself. 
Um, so I find that to be a very powerful way of being able to easily take application code that you've been deploying elsewhere and point it at your Azure VMs that you've built in your Azure infrastructure and have it deploy there as well. Yeah, Keith, and one of the things I wanted to mention too is that, you know, it's tough for like people that are looking at this from an outside perspective to understand what this matches up to in other clouds. And so I think, uh, you know, for AWS users, like they're more familiar with cloud init, I would describe yeah. this as really like cloud init on steroids because you can do the things that you would do with cloud init in our custom extensions, but we also have all these pre-built ones for people that allow them to really just jump in and, uh, and use Chef and Puppet and other things right away. Yeah, definitely. And and certainly if if you are an organization that's even tied to using Cloud Init, we have Cloud Init integrated into already pre pre-integrated into some of our Azure marketplace images for Ubuntu and it could certainly be pushed in, right, uh, as part of yep. the, the installation into other VM images as well. So the processes that we've been walking through so far are for environments where they have pretty good insight into how their application code is deployed and lives on top of a Linux or Windows platform environment. But there's a lot of cases where there might be some legacy VMs or packaged VMs and the customer or partner doesn't really have that insight into exactly which you know, which files or folders or settings need to be deployed for that application to come up. And, and so in those isolated cases, it's oftentimes easier just to migrate the entire VM environment over. Um, now, for, for Linux and Windows, if you have just a couple VMs that meet that criteria, you can certainly walk through it using some of our command line tools that are available on Linux and Windows platforms. For Windows platforms, for instance, there's a disk to VHD command that you can use to capture uh, an image up in, uh, say, Amazon AWS, for instance, of your data disks and application disks that are running inside of uh, an Azure, v an, an Amazon VM, and then copy those over to Azure and be able to uh, spin those up. On Linux, we can spin up uh, general kind of generic Linux infrastructure on Azure and then use some creative um, R-syncing tools uh, with some exclusions for system files in order to bring over everything that doesn't match from our source VM to our target VM that we're migrating to. And so I was thinking it might make sense to, to walk through that process. Gerald, what do you think? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, yeah, so I've got, I've got two VMs, uh, two Linux VMs here. Uh, one that's been provisioned uh, on a, uh, a non-Azure cloud platform, and one that's been provisioned, uh, the, the second VM over here on Azure, as just a base Linux VM out of the box uh, with my sudo equivalent user, Azure admin over here. I'm logged in as a, a root user. And so the first thing I need to figure out is I need to make sure that the operating system distros match, right? And so I'm just going to go over to my first VM here. And, you know, depending on your operating system distro, you could either cat Etsy issue, and we'll find that this is at running Ubuntu 14.04 LTS. Or on some platforms, you could also alternatively do a, a uname uh, all and, and get more detailed information across. So now we know, okay, we're running Ubuntu 14.04 LTS. We'll want to make sure that when we set up the target VM on Azure that we're migrating to, that that's also running that same distro release, that it's also running Ubuntu 14.04 LTS. And so if I, if I uh, go over to that window 
and just do the same command. That's the issue. We'll see, yes, in fact, it's, it's running the same release. So we're good there. Um, then what we want to make sure is that from a package version standpoint that we're running the same package versions for anything that's uh, pre-installed or anything that's going to be installed on these boxes. So I'm just going to do on both of my boxes a sudo uh, apt-get. Actually, over here I'm root, so I don't have to do a sudo apt-get update just to make sure that I've got all the latest list of packages and versions. And then once this is finished, I'll also do a uh, apt-get upgrade just to make sure that I'm upgrading those packages to that are installed over here to the, the latest package versions. And you'll see there's a couple packages that need to be upgraded, so it's going through that process. And I'm going to do that on, on both VMs. Over here on my Azure VM, I want to do a sudo since I'm not logged in as root, update. And then once that's completed, I'll do a sudo apt-get upgrade. And that just helps me ensure that both my source and target VM have the same package releases running on them. And we'll go ahead and install those upgrades on that one as well. Okay, and then now that I've got that done, I want to make sure that I've got some of the basic tools I need for doing this migration installed. So I'm going to use rsync and uh, as my main tool. rsync is a great tool because it allows me to stream across sets of files and pass in exclusions to those files and folders that are more system level stuff that I don't want to migrate because they're, they're more pertinent to the state of the machine itself versus the state of the application or the data on that virtual machine. Um, so I'm going to make sure that rsync is installed. Get install rsync. And it looks like it's installed over there. Make sure it's installed over here as well. Yep, looks like it's installed over there. And then because uh, the migration process can be a long-running process, I um, also recommend using the screen tool so that you can put it, you can run the migration as a uh, kind of a background session, and if you get disconnected from your SSH session, you can reconnect and then reconnect to that screen instead of having to worry about uh, how do I get back to that session that I was running in. Um, so I'm going to make sure that that's installed on, on both of my VMs as well. So I'll say sudo apt install and screen. And yep, looks like it's on both of my VMs, so we're good to go there. So now I've got the right tools and the right versions on both of my VMs, both my source VM, uh, VM01, and my target VM, VM02. But over on VM02, when I provisioned this on Azure, I set up a sudo equivalent user, Azure Admin, that's different from root. So what I want to do is just go through the process of making sure that same admin user is also present over here on my source machines. So that as I'm authenticating and SSHing and whatnot. I've got the ability to have the same credentials back and forth. And so I've previously done that. So these commands are probably going to error out because they should already exist. Um, but you would do a group add to um, first add your sudo equivalent user into the Azure admin group. And then um, after that, we would do a uh, user add for that user. So I'm just going to do a basic user add here and go ahead and paste that in, uh, which specifies a UID and, a G and the group ID that I previously created. 
and just creates it as a base um, uh, Bash shell user, uh, also called Azure admin, so the username matches between the VMs. And then, of course, I have to set the password on that user uh, to match, uh, so that as I'm migrating back and forth, I've got the same username, the same password for my sudo equivalent user on, on both of those VMs. Okay, once I've got that set up, I am now ready to kind of start through the migration process. So over here from my source VM, I'm going to uh, go ahead and uh, run the screen tool to create a new screen. And I'm just going to call that Azure Migration so that I can always reconnect to this later on if I, if I lose my connectivity. And uh, the way that I would reconnect is just by doing a sudo screen with a dash R to reconnect to a particular screen that's already existing. Now I have to specify what files don't I want to copy. Uh, I want to exclude out all the system level files. And this is going to vary a little bit on a distro by distro basis. But um, we do have at least a base set that you can use to start from. So what I'm going to do, and this is a little bit lengthier of a block, so I'm just going to paste this in. I'm going to create an exclude file. And then in that exclude file, I'm going to put in all of the folders and files that I want to make sure are not copied over. And um, I'm going to actually take that and then pipe it out, redirect it out to my exclude file. If I'm on a VM that I'm using cloud in it, on. I'm also going to look for anything related to cloud init, cloud config, cloud final, because that's the state of the cloud init state on the source VM. I'm going to add that into the exclude file as well. I'm going to append that. So I'm just going to press enter here. And then if all is successful, if I just cat out that exclude file, we should see a list of all the files that I want to make sure I'm excluding as part of the copy process. Um, now, I want to make sure that any services that I'm running on my source machine, uh, as I'm doing the copy, are in a stopped state, so that there's no changes occurring to those files as I'm, as I'm doing the migration. And so this is a web server uh, built on Apache, so I'm just going to go ahead and do a sudo service Apache 2 stop, and it stopped my web server on my source box, and then I'm going to... Um, begin my rsync process. So I'm going to set my target VM to the IP address of my other VM that I'm migrating to, my target VM variable. And you know this is the public IP address. I'm just going, I'm going to have this rsync session going over SSH. I've already made sure that SSH is open on the VM that I provisioned. By default it'll be open if you provision that VM through the Azure portal. Uh, if you provision a Linux VM through the Azure portal. And then now that I've got that all done, I'm, I'm ready to do the rsync process. So I'm just going to run through an rsync. Again, this is a little lengthier of a command line, so uh, with lots of uh, command line options. So I'm just going to copy and paste that in just to make sure that everything's typed in correctly. So I'm running rsync. I'm telling it to use the SSH shell to establish connectivity. I'm telling it to exclude all of the paths that are in my exclude file. I'm telling it to launch rsync over on my target machine using sudo, um, running verbose, uh, I want to see progress, and then I'm using these options to basically copy not only the data, but recurse through all folders except those that are in the exclude file list and also copy over timestamp information, ACL information, any of the extended attributes that are associated with that file. 
And then I'm specifying that I want to authenticate as Azure Admin at my target VM and uh, start the root file system and just recurse through the whole thing except for those exclude files. So I'll go ahead and press enter and okay so I'm just going to clear and now we're ready to do our rsync. So I'm going to rsync and I'm going to launch rsync, tell it to use SSH as the shell for uh, piping my rsync session through from VM to VM, exclude out any of the files or paths that are in my exclude file, tell it to launch rsync over on my target VM using sudo. Uh, I'm going to want verbose output and progress so that I can monitor that. And then these options are options that tell me not only copy the file data, but also copy all of the extended attributes, uh, timestamps on files, permissions, and whatnot, as well as recursing through all of the folders from root all the way through our root file system, and uh, authenticate as Azure Admin to the target VM, and copy those over to its root file system as well. So I'll go ahead and press enter here. It'll prompt me for my Azure Admin password that I previously set up, and go ahead and begin the copy process. So you'll see it's Copying, uh, recursing through all of the folders, copying everything. I didn't have a whole lot on this VM, so it didn't take very long. Um, but uh, if we now do a uh, service, um, uh, let's see, service and do a status all, we should see there's Apache on my, on my source VM along with all the other basic services. And now if I do the same thing over here, sudo service status dash all, we should see the same services over here. So there's Apache. It's in a uh, stop state right now because just the service configuration and, and application binaries and data have been copied over um, along with all of our other services. But you can see it matches the list service for service. For service. Rather than starting Apache, what I would, uh, what I would end with then is um, doing a, uh, a shutdown dash R, just doing a clean boot of the entire VM. And then when it comes back up, making sure that all the services that I've migrated have initialized properly, I'm able to get into the application and whatnot. So I typically end this on my target VM doing a sudo shutdown dash R uh, and tell it to shut down now. So Gerald, what do you think? Does that make sense as a kind of a, a manual way, a down and dirty way of migrating some <laughs> individual Linux VMs? Yeah, definitely. I think this is a, I've seen a lot of customers use this one, especially when they don't know exactly what's on the machines and how um, they're going to migrate it. And it's a great way of doing it. Like you show, I think one of the keys is that you don't really, like the user names have to be set up the same, but as long as you have the right, you know, um, names and access, you can actually transfer the files over as long as you have root on the new one too. And yep. you just want to make sure you have that user in order to, you know, like maintain the privileges on the other side. Yep. That's absolutely. the real key. Yep, absolutely. So that process works well for migrating individual Linux VMs, but for Windows VMs, we've got a, a different approach that we can take. Um, and actually one of the best approaches is with Azure Site Recovery. If we have a set of Windows VMs running an Amazon AWS or another cloud provider um, and we're not sure exactly what the registry changes are and the files and whatnot to be able to migrate those VMs across, uh, using Azure Site Recovery we can replicate those VMs over to Azure 
And then if we're just migrating, we can do a one-time failover, bring those VMs up on Azure, and shut them down in our source cloud platform that we were migrating from. Uh, so not only is Azure Site Recovery a great feature for disaster recovery across clouds, but for Windows VMs, it can also be a great migration tool. And one of the very cost-effective points around Azure Site Recovery is if you're using it for migration, you don't have to pay any of the Azure Site Recovery-related VM costs for the first 31 days that you're using that for each VM. So your migration window, if it's less than a month for replicating and migrating, which for most people it is, you save quite a bit of cost on not having to pay that per VM instance fee that you normally would if you were using ASR for ongoing long-term disaster recovery replication and failover and, and fail back. So um, we're here in our Azure portal and uh, we actually have uh, Azure Site Recovery up and running. If we go over to our left navigation bar, we'll see an Azure Site Recovery icon here that goes over to our Recovery Services vaults. And you'll see I've got a vault that I previously added in as a site recovery vault, gave it a name, specified which data center region I wanted to provision that in. And if I drill into the properties of this vault, uh, we'll see that my vault has uh, two different types of capabilities. It's got backup and it's also got replication. So backup is the ability for an Azure Site Recovery Vault to just back up the contents of a running VM into a vault, whereas replication provides ongoing real-time replication. And this works really well, even if your VMs are quite large in size in terms of their disk footprint uh, over on the other cloud platform, because that replication can take place in the background while the applications are still running. So unlike the rsync approach that we used a little earlier on Linux, where we had to stop our services and migrate the use rsync to migrate the files and, and configuration over um, and then restart our services, with ASR, we can leave our source VMs up and running and just migrate on the fly, do an initial seed, and then do an incremental set of replications to keep that target VM copy that we're replicating to, to Azure uh, up to date. So it can be very uh, a, a, a very good approach if you have a larger number of VMs or VMs that have a larger disk footprint size. And so because Azure Site Recovery Vaults have both backup and replication capabilities, under getting started you'll see both of those paths kind of split out for using ASR for backups or using ASR for site recovery. Because we're talking about site recovery for migration, we're going to go into the site recovery path. And then as we drill into the various steps for getting things started under prepare infrastructure, what we'll want to do is set our protection goal. We want to replicate our machines to Azure. And it's asking, are your, are your machines virtualized? So ASR typically can be used for replicating physical or virtual machines up to Azure for disaster recovery. If your virtual machines are running on a non-Azure cloud platform, like Amazon AWS or Rackspace or whatnot, what you would treat those VMs as is non-virtualized physical servers. Because the code that ASR uses to replicate those VMs is going to be the same as what it uses in a physical server environment. So it sounds a little weird, but what we're going to say is, yes, we're, we're not virtualizing those, uh, those, those VMs that we're migrating. Um, and then go ahead and click OK. 
And then once we've done that on our source side, it'll step us through all of the steps that we need to set up. So you'll notice that I have a, what's called a configuration server already set up in my Azure Site Recovery Vault. This configuration server is essentially a VM, a Windows-based VM, that you would spin up in your source cloud environment and install the Azure Site Recovery management tools inside of. So if you want to see that process and the steps involved, we can just add another configuration server into our environment, and it'll actually step us through the process. It only takes about 15 minutes or so, um, but it's uh, we would go over to the other cloud platform, so Amazon or Rackspace or whatnot, spin up a new Windows Server 2012 R2 VM, make sure that it can access the ASR service URLs, um, download into that VM the Azure Site Recovery setup tools, and install those. And then as part of the installation, download a vault registration key that the setup program will ask, the setup process will ask for to register that configuration server into our vault so that it would appear as another option on our select configuration server tab. Uh, once we've done that, we would be able to select our configuration server. And then over here under target, we'd simply specify the Azure subscription and the deployment model that we wish to use for migrating into Azure. So either Resource Manager, which is what we've been using over our past five episodes, or the classic uh, Azure Service Management model. Um, in our case, we'll say Resource Manager, and then it'll make sure that we have at least one storage account that it can use in the data center region that we've selected for replicating copies of our VMs into through ASR. Once we've done that, we can enter in some base replication settings. And those will show up as replication policies. And then once we've specified our target, under the replication settings, we'd select or create a replication policy that we're using to control the replication uh, frequency and our RPO and RTO monitoring, things of that nature. So I'm just going to select our migration policy here that we previously set up and go ahead and click OK. And then the last piece is it's going to allow us to download a tool that we can use to do some capacity planning of how much network traffic going from the cloud platform that we're migrating from over into Azure should we be planning for. And so I'll say yes, I've already downloaded and run the capacity planner. I've got a good sense as to how much network traffic I, I need to make sure that uh, that I have available to me. So if I need to follow up with my, my cloud provider for the source VMs that I'm migrating from to increase any types of limits or throttles, I have the information I need to do that. Once we've done that, we can go into step two, replicating our applications on our VMs. And when we do replicate applications, when we select that choice, it's going to ask us for our source, and so we're selecting our management server here for the source and the process server that we previously set up in our source cloud environment. We'll move over once we've accepted those into target, which allows us to specify which particular storage accounts and Azure virtual networks we wish to migrate over to. And so I'll go ahead and select a storage account here and select a virtual network. So I'll say configure now.
there's my virtual network that I previously set up. And then I've got a sub, single subnet on that virtual network that I'll select as my network destination for that virtual machine. Now under physical machines, it would ask, it would enumerate out all of the machines that are in my environment and allow me to add in and select those particular physical machines that I wish to migrate. I don't have any here, so there's no physical machines found. Um, however, I, that, that aren't currently replicating. However, I do have a machine that I've previously set up for replication under my replicated items area in my settings pane. So here's my VM running in our source cloud environment. It's protected up to Azure Site Recovery. If I now click into that virtual machine, we'll see that the status of it is that the last data sync was happening just, just a few minutes ago, so it's up to date. And when I'm ready to actually migrate that virtual machine onto the target virtual network in Azure, I can click the Unplanned Failover button and it'll help me walk through the process of shutting down safely my source virtual machines, uh, replicating any final data that may still be needed if, if need be as part of that process, and then failing over provisioning and spinning up the replicated copies as new Azure virtual machines. So it's a pretty well thought out kind of guided process that can scale from a few VMs to hundreds of VMs that you might be migrating from one cloud provider to another using a, uh, a lift and shift type VM model. Gerald, does that, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I think uh, you nailed it right up that people are really migrating their, you know, on-prem VMs to this or even their VMs from other cloud providers to us with this. It makes it like super easy and gives them that path that a lot of people are looking for. It's like, well, I don't want to shut down. I don't want to have the downtime. This is a great way of doing it without having that downtime. Yeah, definitely. That's one of the killers, particularly when you think about some of the VMs running up in the cloud in, on cloud providers today, having potentially terabytes and terabytes, or sometimes even larger than that, uh, data associated with them. You know, data sets associated with them. You know, it becomes a real challenge of how do I migrate these VMs with minimal downtime, and, and ASR does a great job of that. Well, Gerald, what do you say? Does it make sense to head back to the office and finish out our episode for today? Sounds good. Still okay, I'll see you. See you back there. Well, Gerald, today we walked through a number of different options for migrating virtual machines, ranging from using VM extensions within our virtual machines on Azure to migrate to deploy code into the new VM environment that we've built out, to doing more of a lift and shift approach for Linux VMs using rsync, or for entire sets of Windows VMs using Azure Site Recovery. Um, thanks so much, Gerald, for, for uh, attending today's, for joining us today as well. I really appreciate yeah. your insights, and I'm sure everyone else out there does as well. Well, thank you for having me, Keith. I appreciate it this time. Yeah, sure thing. And thank you, everyone, for watching our five-episode series on migrating uh, to Microsoft Azure for Amazon Cloud Professionals. Uh, you'll find links to all of the resources that map to our migration topics for today listed down at the bottom of our page. So be sure to check out those links and uh, you know, let us know if we can help with any questions. Uh, Gerald and I are both active online on Twitter and whatnot, so we're always happy to, to hear from, uh, from those who are watching our, our videos. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.